Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is... The Bad Batch Report. 
There I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making some wonderful noises is Ken Knapsock. If you're listening for this first time, when we do these uh, report shows where we discuss specific episodes of shows, I always say the such and such report, and then Ken used to do some music, but now it's just a noise of his choice. And this time, I thought, I hope, I dreamed that it would be random record noises. I hope I think of no. It is. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm so happy to have the gang back, the team back, the batch back, but <laughs> I love record. Yeah. So uh, what was record doing when making those noises in your mind? Did you, did you have uh, some thoughts of what record was up to as you <laughs> yeah. made those noises? He, uh, he just was presented with a bowl of Mantel mix. <laughs> There's the joy... The joy of receiving the Mantel mix, not uh, yeah, yeah. actually eating it yet. Yeah, it's like when I walk into your break room and you got a pink box of donuts. I go, ah, don't mind if I do. <laughs> uh, my wife bought some smoked mozzarella cheese uh, oh. and I made some record noises last night. <laughs> anyway, we are excited to get back into this uh, season of Bad Batch. Uh, I guess get back into the show and start fresh with season two. Of course, there was the uh, double premiere, two episodes, kind of one story, uh, but two episodes. So we're going to be discussing episode one entitled Spoils of War, written by Jennifer Corbett, directed by Stuart Lee, story editor Matt Machenovitz, and then episode two, Ruins of War, written by Gina Lucida Monreal, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, and once again, story editor Matt Machenovitz. Uh, we've started doing this, I think, really with the Clone Wars report of concentrating on who are the writers, who are the directors, uh, once again, through the history of Star Wars animation, Clone Wars Rebels. These are lots of familiar names with Stuart Lee, Nathaniel Villanueva. But Ken, I wanted to take a second to just highlight Matt Machenovitz. A uh, yeah. familiar name from the Clone Wars, one of the head writers, uh, pops up in Rebels, is the story editor uh, for the later seasons. Some of the really great stuff. Individually writes some of the really great episodes. Uh, so he also wrote on the television show 24 and also wrote on, you know, that Star Wars video game some people like, Jedi Fallen Order. So just mm -hmm. really wanted to highlight uh, this maybe, if not unsung, undersung <laughs> Star Wars creator, particularly in the animated world. I'm glad you, you you brought that up. We love highlighting the other name. Jennifer Corbett doing a great job. Brad Rao, all these folks. Uh, yeah, some of his Rebel stuff is absolutely amazing. He's uh, I've got I've got a name that can be hard to say. That P and a Z back to back, uh, you know, can cause some problems for people. I was in a recording booth trying to say this gentleman's name for about an hour. <laughs> and me and an engineer going on YouTube trying to find interviews from him. And there's not a lot because he's he's unheralded in a lot of ways. So uh, does wonderful work. What what did you go with for the pronunciation? Um, we we kind of stumbled into Machenovitz. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's good. Kind of where we went to, Mike Novets is. Uh, I wish it was that, but it's probably not. Mick Novets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really the you're not sure how to say it. So really say it hard. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's it's the hard or the fast, uh, Michenovitz or McNovets. Uh, <laughs> those are the choices. Anyway, all respect to this person. Mm -hmm. We, of course, uh, greatly appreciate the work done uh, by Dave Filoni, but I think that's just kind of the way humans can be. Sometimes you attach the big name to something, and then sometimes uh, other names of people who do a ton of the work uh, disappear a little bit. So yeah. once again, just wanted to uh, celebrate and uh, highlight this person who has been involved in creating a lot of the Star Wars stories that we love 
So we also like talking about our viewing experience, wh- where physically we were, what time of day it was, how we watched. Ken, what was your viewing experience? Uh, it was uh, uh, nice and calm this morning. Uh, uh, woke up early. Actually been had a bad night of sleep and, and Chihuahuas waking me up. So I got up nice and early. A lot of time. Not rushed this morning. But also, a full disclosure, I think we had mentioned before, uh, we, we are fortunate enough to, along with uh, some Star Wars podcasts and pundits out there, to have access to some screeners. Uh, which is not new for us, but Joseph, what is new for you and I is we are probably going to be looking at those a little bit more than we have in the past in other shows. You and I love the midnight experience. We love mm-hmm. the communal experience. It's midnight for us. It's uh, different times around the world. It does, this is not a reflection of Bad Batch. It just, it just, it just works out. Like you know what, Willow's going on. There's new shows. Manda's going to come along. Let's let's take advantage of it. So I watched these episodes a couple weeks ago. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, you know, sat on it. I, uh, you know, I, 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 you, you have a little bit of that uh, bleep eaten grin sometimes. You're like, whoa, I know. And it's hard to sit with that. Um, but it's just fun. And I think this show, I take this show in a little differently. Uh, I, I kind of call it a lower pressure show, which is not a slide on but the show, not a slide on animation, not a nothing, nothing, nothing. It's just, it's a feeling of fun that I enjoy. I enjoy the other shows for their own kind of version of fun, but be able to sit down on my own time and watch it, just relax over an English muffin this morning, making some notes. It was a lot of fun. I'm so thrilled that they're back. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. I have not watched these episodes on the screener. There'll be some episodes coming up that just on a practical level, timing wise, it's going to really help to have the screener and be able to record our review mm-hmm. a little bit earlier. Uh, but I've been super busy traveling for the holidays and I didn't have time, honestly, to watch the screener. So I got to that point of like, I could watch the screeners at like 9 p.m. <laughs> on yeah. Tuesday night, or I could just stay up and I could have the midnight experience because I love it. It's such a, a, a new tradition in Star Wars that has now been around so for so long. It's starting to get old. It's the mm. old new tradition, right? Yeah. Um, so I did what I always do is think like, which of the action figures I own would, would be happy to watch the show with me? Uh, I don't have any of the Black Series Bad Batch friends, so I, I picked out a couple of other clone trooper action figure friends and poured myself a little bit of Johnny Walker and I was like, this is great. <laughs> Midnight Star Wars is back, and this is the first time uh, that Midnight Star Wars and the Attack of the Sleepies came for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, first episode, great, loved it. Second episode, I was all in, uh, and then I just did that. Like, I, hey, did I, did I, I, did I blink and miss one second or fifteen seconds? <laughs> when I fell asleep, I believe Wrecker was shooting someone. He's still shooting someone, so it could be one second or 30 seconds that I've yeah. been out. Uh, so I got a little bit tired, even though I enjoyed them. It had nothing to do with the shows itself, just uh, been running hard with uh, creative work, and I really need some vacations from my vacations. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was excited to get up nice and early this morning, have a big cup of coffee, and watch the the shows again, which I always do in the morning. But there was something special about it for Bad Batch because we'll get into the the, the actual show itself. Uh, there is plenty of weight and meaning and horror, but there is something about it that is this this sense of fun mm-hmm. throughout uh, these characters going through this hard time in the galaxy that gives it this great Saturday morning feel. Like I just feel like. I want to be in uh, pajamas, uh, crunching on deeply unhealthy uh, cereal or a pop tart while I'm watching the Bad Batch. It feels like a Saturday morning show to me, so it was really nice to get up uh, early and uh, slam some coffee and watch Bad Batch. Slightly concerned that you said that cereal's unhealthy that I ate for <laughs> decades. <laughs> you say it's bad. 
Oh, no. You mean like the Fruit Loops uh, that are already full of sugar, and then kids <laughs> would put sugar on the Fruit Loops anyway? Yeah. You mean my Honey Nut Cheerios, in which I drizzled half a bear of honey on? Yeah. <laughs> half oh. a bear of honey. That takes me back. He's squeezing that bear, getting that honey. Uh, yeah. Honey Nut Cheerios were actually as unhealthy as I was allowed to get cereal-wise. So uh, I was living on the edge, living on the edge. Uh, So anyway, we both had some great viewing experiences. Now let's get into the shows, uh, the two shows. What was your overall reaction to this two-part premiere? Love it, like it, struggle with it. Where'd you go? Oh, the batch is back and the action is hot and heavy. I really can't wait to get some of these themes. Uh, Make it sound a little more adult than it is. Hey, you know, a lot of things to get to, a lot of things. Uh, We got some Dooku stuff. We got some great stuff to get to. And look, we have to address it's 2023. We're so used to the discourse. Uh, there's Endor and it's a series and adult and this and that. And you're going to have those conversations out there. You you don't need to nuts to that. This is a, this is a certain kind of star Wars and some of you might not like it. And that's totally fine. Um, I just, from the start, the the crabs come clicking, clacking out. (laughs) The chase is on witty banter, not so witty banter, all of it. Uh, I felt, ah, I'm back with my friends. Doesn't mean I don't have friends at Andor. Doesn't mean I don't have friends at Kenobi or Book of Boba Fett, or High Republic. I like these friends. I really love Wrecker. I love uh, the crew. And it just felt uh, felt warm. And there's great stuff to get into, um, of course. And, and some great guest stars, Wanda Sykes, Hector Elizondo. I'm, hmm. I'm an old school Pretty Woman fan. Uh, so I drove past the Re- uh, Beverly Wilshire Region Hotel yesterday, <laughs> twice, actually. It's not, and I thought of Hector Elizondo. And then I forgot. Oh, yeah, he's in the episode as Romer Adele. So a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that was a great revelation. It's like, who, who is this beautiful voice that sounds familiar? Oh, I have been listening to this person in random roles for my entire life. That's why. That's why. Born in 1930s. Amazing. Uh, yeah, my overall reaction was very much the same. I was just happy to see my buddies again. There's something about just the fun of uh, of Wrecker and the charm of Omega and the uh, just the, the attitude of, of Sid kind of calling the characters out for exactly who they are with the quips, you know, <laughs> uh, the wrestling with the darkness. And I just love tech. He is my favorite from the batch. One of my favorite star Wars characters. And this was man tech got to shine from the comedy and the action to the pain, to the learning. These were great tech episodes. So uh, yeah, yeah. I was jazzed about that. And my number one qualm, with the first season of Bad Batch was just wanting Echo a little bit more centered. Echo's perspective was highlighted a couple times in the first season that he is the one who went through hell and would have stayed there forever if other people hadn't cared enough to find him and rescue him. So he really understands how important it is to rescue others. That perspective was clear in the first season, but we didn't get to spend as much quality time with him. Yeah. And I feel like in these episodes, it was a little bit more balanced. It was a little bit more, Echo was a little bit more centered. So I was really happy to see that, that I felt like I got to see all my buddies. Yeah, and I'm glad they're consistent with this uh, thought of of Echo kind of being the most con- convicted right now in his heart about what mm-hmm. they got to do, the, which would track. They all went through some things, but yeah, like you said, he went through maybe a little more about what's going on and where he's at. Uh, so I really love that. And I agree, uh, a little bit more Echo and we're starting to get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I really liked starting with uh, two episodes. Uh, the first season obviously premiered with the longer episode. And I really liked that this just 
this could have been a longer episode and who knows, maybe it's, you know, production schedule. It's easier to keep them around the same length or whatever. But what was beautiful to me about having one story broken up into two episodes, even though they're released on the same day and you can just, you know, uh, remove your hands with the controller and, and let Disney plus take the wheel and immediately play the second episode. Uh, I loved the straight up actual cliffhanger. Uh, I've gone on and on about it in the past about one of the many inspirations for star Wars is flash Gordon, but specifically the Flash Gordon adventure serials that were entirely built on cliffhangers of how is Flash Gordon going to get out of this one this week? Uh, so I think Star Wars has always had that spirit of out of the you know frying pan into the fire, but to see that deployed in a straight up cliffhanger of they are plummeting to the ground, right? They're going to live, but that energy of that shipping container is just hurtling towards mm. the planet. Ah, oh, that was a thrill to have that actual cliffhanger. Yeah, I, I I agree there too. Agree with you too. You know, I, I don't know the production schedule, the reasons why you could have easily done it and fade in, fade out. It just had a little more impact. I think I think that might have been one of the reasons. It leads to one of my favorite shots so far in the first two episodes, the beginning of the second episode. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you. It was just kind of fun, a reminder of the serial adventure thing that we're getting back into. Sometimes it's going to feel like mission of the week, and sometimes it's going to feel like uh, here's your marching orders for this episode, and where are you you know where are you going to go? And and I, I get that, but that's kind of the the purpose. It's kind of the point of what we got here. Yeah, so I mean, I I really agree with that. I think it highlights the pulpy energy that Bad Batch does have. Um, but it, it also worked really emotionally because I think we'll talk about it in, in, in more detail. But I think one of the things at stake in these two episodes is the idea of Omega, this kid needing to be uh, taught how to defend herself, but needing to be kept safe. And she keeps ending up in danger in the fact that it is her frightened yeah. face going, hey, am I going to die? Interesting. <laughs> OK. And, you know, an emotional cliffhanger as well, because it's about those emotional stakes as much as it is about the physical safety of the characters. Yeah, loved all that stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of, last year. We, we we were part of the group yelling, "Give Omega some armor!" So now we got a helmet, knee <laughs> pads, or something was on there. I can't remember. But uh, now I'm just like, you just let her fall out of a ship, <laughs> <laughs> turning handsprings off of crabs. Come on, unscheduled training break. I believe a uh, text yeah. letter, a uh, study break, unscheduled study break. Uh, yeah, you've been talking about the the swings that are going to happen is different uh, Star Wars shows come out and, you know, different people gravitate towards different one or play a compare and contrast kind of thing, which is all, all fine and understandable. I think for me, what I continue to love about the animated side, but Bad Batch in particular is there is a balance to me of fun and horror in these episodes really dove into that you know Mm -hmm. um it is a ton of pulpy fun if you just look at the the surface level right it's heists with space crabs looting the castle of an evil wizard you know lots of troopers falling from high places uh character driven old school jokes a lot of it is just fun pulpy adventure but at the same time you know our characters are remnants of an old war who aren't sure where they even fit uh they're basically the audience is tour guides of a vicious crackdown by a tyrannical government it's so weird to go like i just want to hang out with my buddies i just want to have a fun time as they tour the absolute horror of the galaxy planet after planet while kind of just trying to survive and only succeeding okay at that fun uh i think it's a, a great example of the interesting uh uh star wars storytelling that can happen and part of the reason i wanted to highlight it is just 
I feel like it's such a, the ingredients that make Bad Batch what it is. But also coming back to it after Andor, I feel like on paper, the issues that are at stake, the things we're going to talk about when we get into the the themes and the big idea, they're very similar to Andor. It's mm-hmm. just that they are told, they are expressed in a completely different way. And that's really interesting to me to, to say, to take the same ideas, but express them in a different way. The same way the very first Star Wars film, you know, Star Wars uh, would become A New Hope, is, was received as this fun, exciting adventure where the good guys beat the bad guys. But if you look at it, <laughs> absolute annihilation, millions die, the princess is tortured by the person who discovers her father. Like, on paper, you know, Luke Skywalker cannot meet, a, you know, a parental figure without them quickly dying. It's a dark film, but it's told in a fun way. And I think that's a part of the heritage of Star Wars in what was revolutionary. But Andor's like, let's really keep the focus on the horror. Yeah, which clearly was uh, effective. Very clearly effective. Yeah, yeah. you're setting us up for uh, exactly what we were going to be talking about here, which is exciting. And, and I can I can sometimes feel some blank stares, not necessarily from our four center listeners, but I can feel when I say this off air about the themes are the same. The things they're dealing with are the same. Talking about Andor and pretty much any other show. I get a lot of blank stares, which are okay. <laughs> I'm not saying I have more insight than you or anything like that. I just, I just, this is what happens when you open up your heart to all the things presented to you here. Uh, this does not have to be your favorite show. Because Bad Batch, I would not call my favorite of the Star Wars shows. It's just a special kind of fun that I enjoy that takes me to wonderful spots in a key time period that I absolutely love that we're studying right now. Yeah, yeah, because we just ha- have not spent as much time in this exact uh, time period. The whoops, uh-oh, <laughs> across the galaxy as the Empire marches on. All right, so those are some overall reactions. Now we're going to get into the specifics, the big themes, the ideas at stake in these episodes. Ken, where did you go? Well, you mentioned the March of the Empire. I put down this note of the crawl of Imperial Empire. Oppression. I actually messed up and put impression as if it's two eyes, uh, but maybe that's their catchy bumper sticker phrase on it. Uh, just that leads to so much. And the big thing that jumps out for me, and I think it's a good place to start based on some of the stuff you're saying, I have this idea of uh, securing your future, which is a good idea, versus securing a future for everyone, which is the big idea. Mm. And Star Wars is always asking us to do that. It's always asking you to consider that. It's always asking you to look at the big thing. You and I just have a, uh, I just had a discussion that I think, actually it's going to come out tomorrow on the Q&A episode, if you're listening uh, in line, about Kenobi and Kenobi and his confrontation with Vader at the end of that series. And and there's a lot of that at play too. And, it, and there's a reason it keeps being repeated in Star Wars. Uh, Omega is not the only one to save, but she is an important one to save. She's the reason. I love this episode kind of confirming the choice to save Omega for the group. Echo having that great stuff at the end, uh, but him saying we should be doing more. And I, I put down this idea that this time period that I, I, as a Star Wars historian, I guess, I don't know if that's a, I don't have that title. and didn't, <laughs> didn't get my degree in it, but I, I am loving and had, that was the biggest thing for season one. You mentioned it. They're tour guides for all of us to see the horrible, oops, this is happening around the galaxy. A lot of people who um, got fooled, got tricked, just got wronged, and, and and Palpatine's in power, people like Rampart underneath them, are doing this planet by planet, system by system. And this is the time for everyone to figure this out, securing your future versus a future for everyone. Because most don't, or most find a way to turn away from it, or most go into a survival mode, which is okay. We're going to talk some of that about that as well. But... Um, when you make that choice, again, most people don't make that choice. 
And we have that on Ferrix at the start of Andor. That's the connective thread to me. There's a lot of people that need to, by the end of that series, especially with Marva's speech and everything, are, are, are needing to say, we've got to save ourselves and everyone because we've just let this happen. Think a lot of uh, anemic speech and everything. And this mm-hmm. is a time period where a lot of people were faced with this question in the galaxy, and a lot of them didn't answer it in the possibly best way. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, force anyone to fight. And if they don't want to, I guess. But, you know, that's the thing that's going on with me in this series, in this episode. Yeah, no, I think it's one of the big overriding questions of the series is kind of who the Bad Batch wants to be. They were built for a purpose. They found, looks like, plenty of joy and identity. And, like, we are the special team that just, uh, to, to use Wrecker's name, go in and wreck things. We can do anything, right? We are soldiers in the best there is. And now the war is over. We're not soldiers. We're a family. We're mercenaries. Uh, what are we? And I feel like this; these two episodes really uh, reframe that decision of who are we, who do we want to be? But as you laid out really, really well, it gets to that question of what is our goal for ourselves? Is it just survival for ourselves? Is it betterment for our personal lives? And if so, what the hell does that mean exactly? Mm-hmm. Or is Echo Keeps Pushing for, is it helping others uh, because this family exists the way it does because they made an Echo's estimation the correct choice to save Omega, which made them wanted, made it impossible for them to even consider uh, being tools of the Empire. And that's that great thread where, you know, it hurts Omega's feelings, but Echo never meant it in a bad way. He meant it in an honest way of like, yeah, our lives are really difficult because we rescued this girl because we should. So we should continue making our lives real difficult all the time to help other people. And I think kind of on the other side of it, Hunter is really pulling towards safety, particularly for Omega, Mm -hmm. you know, safety Mm -hmm. for his family, which is exactly what you're laying out, which is, yeah, it does relate to Andor saying, hey, Marvel, let's go somewhere warm and easy. And her great brand of like, I'm too old, it won't work, but I don't care, I'm fighting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, well said. I love what you said uh, about Echo stuff, uh, about what that means and the reality. Uh, You know, you and I are not parents. We don't have that perspective, but I've had a parent, uh, a good friend of mine tell me, if if being a parent doesn't F up your life, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, And and I think that's a little bit of the sentiment of Echo. And and Hunter's, it's what I love. I love when you and I dive into it. Hunter's perspective is, I get it, right? I get it. Got out of that. Uh, you know, uh, one of the questions I have about the episode, it's not a dislike kind of question, but of like, all right, so we have a little bit of a jump in time, enough for a helmet to uh, get on a mega <laughs> here, a little bit of jump in time, and they're clearly on the run again. And they made some, I thought, big decisions at the end. They went through some big things at the end of season one, and we're still in the same spot, which is totally fine. I think that's realistic, but I want to know more. I want to know more from Hunter about why and, and how he's going to continue to change and grow and, and how much Echo will pull him forward there. And it's an honest answer. Secure your future. That's, a, that's you know, you kind of got to secure yourself before you can help others, I guess you could say, if, if you have that perspective. And Hunter's in that boat right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think Hunter is definitely wants safety and security for Omega and definitely worries about putting her in the line of fire uh, constantly. Uh, she made it clear to him last season that that was her choice. So he's <laughs> letting her, letting her grow up that way, not trying to keep her away from the missions and all that. But I also just kind of feel like Hunter is really understandably looking for stasis, looking for anything kind of normal, right? Cause he's the one who says, Hey, look, we made a lot of noise on Camino. We've been really keeping our, our heads down. 
we learn at the end of the episodes with Rampart and his uh, desire to convince Tarkin that he that he Rampart did wipe out the Bad Batch, uh, that hunters may be right to keep their heads down. I just feel like there's there's a lot um, that I really appreciated in the opening scenes that kind of kept setting this possibility of peace, normal life, and then in almost a comic way shattering it. But I, I thought that it reflected Hunter's headspace, right? The first shot is the tranquil beach and it, we hold on it just long enough to go, that looks nice. And then you got the great comic suddenly running out and splashing into it, right? Mm-hmm. And then we, we cut to Tech in Omega having kind of like this family scene, right? Yeah. Omega's doing her homework, studying. Uh, she's she and Tech are fishing. Wham! That's shattered, right? Yeah. Um, Omega and Hunter are once again in the bar. Hunter thinks he's successfully said no to this danger, dangerous job. He's sitting there uh, prepping Omega for Star Wars trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comparing totally. uh, Lambda and Delta class shuttles, and then that's shattered, right? Mm-hmm. There's this kind of there's it keeps being these images of what if we could be on a beach? What if we could just be Omega's parents? teaching her things what if we could just be fishing and it, the the episode right at the beginning keeps kind of going wham 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 you can't right yeah uh, yeah so i thought that there's this element where hunter just kind of wants to find a groove and keep everybody safe um yeah there's even an element of stasis to what he says to sid uh when sid's kind of trying to convince him to take the job and says you can get freedom and hunter's like we already got it that's speaking to stasis of like, this is fine. Let's just keep going this way. Yeah. It, it would Sid and Marva are in agreement there. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not just do a contrast com- compare and connective threads to Andor, but it's fresh on our minds. I mean, Sid's got diff- different energy than Marva, but mm-hmm. Sid kind of like, Oh, you will all oh, you freedom. Oh, you think you have freedom. All right, cool. Look around, look around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think, you know, Marva's having this uh, awakening, you know, she's full of wisdom, but in terms of fighting the empire, she's having this sort of awakening and this epiphany, like Sid's kind of an old hand at, you know, how to, how to survive. And I thought that it was great that the Bad Batch pretty consistently wants freedom, uh, but they sometimes either disagree about what that means or don't know how to define it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like some of us in the real world is like, I want to be free. What does that mean? I, I want to go to bed at 2 a.m.? I don't know. Uh, I don't want other people to tell me what to do. I don't, you know. Um, but I wrote down the Sid line because Sid like masterfully pressures all of them in their different views by offering multiple versions of what freedom might mean yeah. and, and you know, dangling this job in front of them to get the freedom. Uh, she says, you want to be uh, really be free then pull off this heist and you'll have the means to disappear. No more risky missions, no more living hand to mouth. You can have a future. Isn't that uh, what you're after? So it's just really uh, appealing to Hunter's desire to mm-hmm. keep uh, Omega safe. But, the you know, no more living hand to mouth. You can have a future. Isn't that what you're after? You know, it, I think is, is you know, really a- appealing to Echo's desire to get resources, you know? Yeah, and, and build out from there. This is the, uh, you know, we, we can't all just sit back and have pizzas the rest of our life. Yeah. Um, but I like, yeah, like what you're saying about the way she's uh, just driving home to each one of them uh, and raising the, the question of what it is. And, and even Sid, Sid, Sid would probably just to like, like to retire and get away and have pizzas the rest of her life. So uh, even her ver- ver- version is not uh, probably in line with Echo. But I, I love the starting point. Love, that's to me the big theme. That moment was the theme of like, is this, is this what you want? your future and now echoes here to say there's others that we got to consider 
Yeah, yeah, and I think the the episode goes through a, a lot of um, supporting Echo's vision that people need to be helped, and also supporting Hunter's vision that hey, we in order for us to help people, we need yeah. to uh, survive. You know? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Especially when we get down to the surface. Yeah, and, and I think uh, for me, I, I thought a lot about the end beats in this uh, context of who do they want to be choosing, you know, their fate? Do they help themselves or do they help others? You know, Echo and Omega have that misunderstanding and Echo, you know, clarifies it at the end for Omega that, hey, if we hadn't rescued you, we'd have ended up serving the Empire or worse. And like that to him is like that, that you, you can't choose that. And I feel like that scene with uh, Rampart and the, the clone Wilco it sets up the plot for the rest of the season that Rampart wants to hide the survival of Corn Force 99, I'm sure wants to track them down and finish them himself. Uh, but on a thematic level, it just kind of reinforces Echo's closing thought, right? That mm-hmm. there, whatever future they might have, the Bad Batch, it is far better than the future they would have had trying to serve the Empire because whatever definition they have of freedom, whatever definition they have of who they are, it's not possible with the empire. Look at this, look at this clone commander Wilco, who's doing everything by the book. Right. And honor is not possible for a clone serving the empire. I I feel like that's part of what's, what's, you know, the thematic point of that, uh, brutal murder. And the, uh, I always like it when a, when a trooper falls from a high place, but I didn't like this one. This one was sad. Yeah, no, it's sad and, and a reminder of a lot of things uh, about the Empire and what's going on, but uh, raising the thematic stakes. I also like Echo kind of at the end of the episode uh, has the uh, uh, Indiana Jones and Dr. Jones uh, let it go uh, moment uh, <laughs> as trying to get the uh, the shiny stuff as she says it. Echo coming to this you know, kind of realization there. Yeah, we want to do something about the Empire. Yeah, it'd be nice to have funding for that and for our mm. own survival. But it tells Omega to let it go. Not just, uh, again, her survival, but the, to me, this point that the actions are worth more than anything else uh, and they can still find a way. And, 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 and versus the other side, you see the Wilco ending of someone who's um, just followed the right orders. Good soldiers follow orders and, and look where that's get, getting. Yep. Unfortunately. Good soldiers get betrayed and uh, shot mm-hmm. off cliffs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're touching on for me what was the other big uh, thematic idea, and I'm I'm sure that you have got ideas. I'm curious to see how you framed it, but I felt like for me what was what was interesting about these episodes is is it did sort of reframe the big picture bad batch question of what is their future going to be, who do they truly want to be, but the real specific idea in these two episodes is this idea of what is treasure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the episodes are set up as a treasure hunt. Uh, you just quoted the great line from Omega about, you know, we're after the shiny stuff, but what is the shiny stuff and why? What are fake jewels? What are real jewels? You know, yeah. um, I think this very big picture thing that they go in fighting for treasure with different motivations for Hunter, it's then they can hide out and be safe, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and for Echo, it's, with this money, they can kit out and help people and start building something. The treasure is really important to Bad Batch as they go in, right? Mm-hmm. But both Hunter and Echo drop it real quick because they go in fighting for treasure and they end up quickly recognizing all we are doing is fighting for our lives. The great treasure of this mission for the Bad Batch is escaping with their family alive and intact. And I thought that was just a great uh, statement 
on the growth of, of this team, that they are a family. And even though Hunter and Echo might kind of disagree, they both let go of their vision of the treasure immediately when the rest of the family is at risk. Yeah, this is a wonderful theme here. This is a great test. You look through that little uh, toy that mm-hmm. has, uh To me, the simple idea of happiness is more than any jewel. You could go that way. But I, I love everything uh, you're saying here. He calls himself a survivor. Uh, and and I think you and I both have, have kind of said, you know, again, looking at Hunter's perspective. Yeah, 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 you can help others better when you're alive unless you're a Jedi. Uh, so that is very key. And so I love when Romar's like, I'm a survivor because what's, what's, what's the true jewel for me? What is, uh, what's, uh, he got going on? It's this Serenians before the war, preserving their culture beyond the, the titles of separatists versus Republic. That's what he sees in this. That's part of why he's going on. Uh, and, and I love this uh, little litmus test you got for all of them here. Look down at those jewels and what do you see? And what, what are you here for? And, and I think you're right. I think Hunter ends up in a pretty powerful spot that way. Uh, and gets it pretty fast. Yeah. And I think in a way it's, it's validating of both their perspectives, right? Because they encounter yet another civilization that has been cruelly violated, decimated, a a likable, heroic person in Romar, the exact kind of person who needs their help. So that justifies Mm -hmm. Echo's perspective. And then the fact that the mission just very quickly turns into just survival really validates Hunter's perspective, uh, that the true treasure is keeping them all safe and alive. Um, I think, I think part of what I liked about it is you could watch these episodes uh, real quick and go, well, this is, this is fun adventure serial cliffhanger They're They've got a problem. They got another problem, but I feel like it had this sort of deeper level of, you know, remembering where the bad batch started out of like, they could go in and do anything. They were the, you know, the mm-hmm. the four commandos who could take out anyone, anything, no amount of droids was a problem for them, right? Yeah. And the, now they're vulnerable and fallible. And there's a sense that the Empire is closing in around them, that, that the mm-hmm. Bad Batch has to hide from the Empire in specific. The awareness that the Empire will eventually come for Ord Mantell and this will end. And then when they get in the planet, that they're overwhelmed by the number of troops. They're overwhelmed by the scale of the operation on Sereno that that tech actually gets injured, right? The yeah. fact that they spend almost the entire kind of action of these two episodes just trying to escape and survive really drives home this idea of what is treasure? Maybe it is just community, family, you know, everything that that is meaningful to them as as individuals uh, because they love each other the same way Romar loves Sereno. Yeah. I, I love this. Especially you lay this down over the, the first episode, season one, right? You, it's exactly what you're describing. They show up They're you know, they're, 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 they're the bad boys of the clone world, you know, <laughs> they, they're un, indestructible, unstoppable. Uh, then they're hit with the order 66 stuff, which launches them there. Now here you, here you are. Like you say, yeah, tech f- fractured femur, <laughs> like you broke his leg. Uh, wrecker is, is, uh, Got to find a way. Uh, all, all the kind of things, uh, just where they are versus where the, what they were and where they were before it and, and everything around them. I think it was a cool. That's why I love this as a start to the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and then I think on an even, there, there's that question for the Bad Batch of, you know, what is uh, the treasure of this episode? And of course, mm-hmm. they would have loved to get that money. <laughs> sure. uh, but 
survival is more important uh, and preserving who they are is more important. Uh, but then I think the episodes kind of go this level deeper. And this is where it gets into me. Like these are very similar ideas to Andor. these are extremely similar ideas to the solo film, right? Mm-hmm. Of asking what is treasure? If you're looking at a heist is somebody is taking something from someone uh, who does it truly belong to? What is it for? Uh, all those things, you know, I, I like that the the episodes even start by them taking something from the space crab planet and angering the inhabitants. I don't, <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't think they took space crab eggs, but maybe. Um, uh, I, there's this great framing conversation uh, between uh, Omega Tech and Echo, where Omega says, "How could all this belong to one person?" Referring to Dooku's jewels. Um, yeah. Tech says it is safe to assume that the majority of Dooku's fortune came from the many worlds he controlled and exploited, all in the name of his war effort. Echo says that's what corrupt people do. Uh, but isn't that what we're doing? Omega says, depends on how we use it. So I love that the episode invites you to think through this is a treasure, Dooku's war chest, but whose is it and what does it mean? Because it kind of rattles through through different perspectives of the the Empire wants it to fund their tyranny, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Hunter wants it to provide safety, uh, just safety and a little bit of personal freedom, which is just totally the coaxium in Solo, right? Whoever has a little bit of that resource can have a little bit of freedom. Uh, for Echo, it's a tool to help others. For Tech, it's an equation on a spreadsheet. <laughs> He's got the, yeah. Well, we didn't have it before and we don't have it now, so okay. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we get the great twist and the reveal from Romar that those treasures are not necessarily plundered from other worlds, but plundered from Dooku's people himself. So it raises this great question of what is a treasure? What does it mean to other people? Uh, and it gives us all these answers that lets us think about, if we want to, in the real world, who who controls resources and what do those resources accomplish? Yeah, you think of Emphasis Ness and this represents something new, uh, life, uh, survival, mm-hmm. and resistance. Yeah, I, I was really um, intrigued. Uh, the, the moment they said they're going to Serrano, uh, even, even the title, Spoils of War, I had that kind of, you know, going in, war chest kind of vibe. Here, here we go. And just seeing and, and the reveal, confirming what we probably could have guessed about Dooku that – a lot of his funding for his war efforts uh, weren't his uh, own big bank accounts. Uh, <laughs> just the image of taken from his own people. And, and you know, you and I have talked about the, the separatists. You can go to the Mina Monteries of the world and say, hey, they have some points of view, this, that. and uh, But they were inflamed uh, by Dooku. They were controlled by a Sith Lord. And here's the deal. It is similar to Dooku's look on his face seconds before Anakin slices his head off. I, I can only imagine the people of Serena looking up and seeing well, you know, we're, we're an imperial orbital bomb bombardment's about to happen. Like this wasn't the deal, man. This wasn't the deal. We gave this guy everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believed in his causes, and that wasn't a treasure to him. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. It's to your question, he didn't. Yeah, I mean, and there's a question of how much people gave it to him versus <laughs> yeah, Dooku, yeah. the story of in Dooku Jedi Lost that uh, he, he uh, murdered his siblings <laughs> <Yep>. and took <laughs> control. Turns out he's not as principled as people uh, might might have thought. Uh, you know, yeah, it's complex. It's complex, uh, yeah. but in that history, you know, hangs over this in a really great way. But uh, well, let me ask you that question: Do you get the vibe that Romar was ever on the separatist train, or just felt like I care about Sereno, I care about our people, our culture, a little bit of the hunter perspective, and mm-hmm. now we're in this war? 
I, I think a little bit of, I think that's what I took that line of, you know, Serenian, uh, you know, we, we, that's what we were before the war. Uh, again, this idea of uh, separatist versus republic uh, might be a simple way to look at it. But again, even even in our real world and even in the Star Wars world, it's it's complicated. But I, to, to your question, I, yeah, I, I think that to me um, speaks to uh, the people on the ground, uh, the people um, perhaps disenfranchised by the republic and, and starting off. Even the stuff that Dooku saw in Tales of the Jedi, which isn't necessarily just on Sereno. But uh, yeah, that's a good starting point, right? But um, they don't care about your 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 Game of Thrones up there. <laughs> the, the, the the small folk don't care about that. They want to they want a, a long summer and they want to eat. So uh, I I think this is another example of as we're watching the Empire having won, having now spread across the galaxy. Uh, this is who it's affecting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not someone who took up arms against the Republic. Uh, now the Republic uh, has become the Empire. He has that great, the great <laughs> equation. So wait, you were clones for the Republic. You're fighting, yeah, and then text, you know, like yeah, I think you're finally getting it. Um, so I love that what it, what it says. You know, uh, it's just doing that math. But uh, um, and and, and I don't, I, it, it could it could be a sound. It could sound cynical about just eh, whatever the name is on the top is. It's all the same, right? You, you and I don't like that mm-hmm. kind of approach in our own, in our own world. It's 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 follow the empathy and what that organization or what that person is doing with the jewels and the power and everything. So long-winded answer to your question. I think this speaks to, this is what's happening. There's a lot of people in the galaxy who are now being horribly affected by what's going on, um, who, you know, might not have wanted this or might've just been going with the flow or might've just been trying to survive during the war. Yeah. Yeah. There's the implication in, in Dooku Jedi Lost or the story that, that the Sereno is being, uh, sort of uh, violated and becomes a, a a war planet out of the uh, hubris and backroom dealings of Dooku's brother, and mm-hmm. Dooku, you know, goes in and and saves the planet against uh, Jedi wishes, right? And there's a kind of implication that maybe Dooku kind of sets things right on Sereno, and uh, maybe somebody like Romar is like, okay, well, fine, great, now. You know, things are, there's an even keel. We can have the the peace and prosperity that we want. And it's not enough. You got to go reaching out to control the rest of the galaxy. And you bring this horror to us. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, I, I was also really just interested in how much the idea of what is treasure was kind of depicted in this big picture way. Everybody had a take on what is the value of Dooku's war chest. What's the meaning of it? Uh, but so much of it was centered on omega right and the episode is pretty direct with some of the stuff which is which is great uh but i love that for her she needs the treasure to prove herself right to make her feel like she isn't a burden that's the value of the treasure to her that's what's shiny to her is to feel like i'm not a burden on this family i my existence hasn't brought the pain and difficulties of our life you know what a tender great thing and and then all the stuff with Romar giving her the toy, you know, is it, 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 it's not, you know, uh, amazingly subtle, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, which is fine, which is fine. I just want to, you know, not say like I discovered this hidden <laughs> thing in the in the episode. It's <laughs> it's quite clear. Um, Omega's line of uh, oh, then it's not treasure. And Romar, all oh, for blast's sake, it's a toy. Makes you happy, and believe me, that is worth more than any jewel. Um, I think it's it's just a really beautiful message in the midst of all of this absolute horror that Romar would define for her joy, happiness, connection, 
what 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 is your culture who are your people <laughs> yeah. to quote uh Draud Munbrin from Solo uh those are the these basic things that are treasures like I know I know it can come off a little uh simple and pat and people hear the violins but for me I like storytelling where a a simple but true and beautiful point is made and it is heightened by the horror around it right mm-hmm. it makes you feel that like wouldn't this child just like a toy wouldn't you like to live in a world where you can just have a toy and that's joyful instead of living in a world where i have to re-steal stolen resources so i don't feel like my existence is a burden on my four dads <laughs> yeah yeah the sad the sad view of i gotta go get a win just to you know make up for for it which is why we're happy echo i think at the end no i love your saying and in terms of like this episode all through it is not subtle right all the stuff with dooku all the stuff taken from his own people the destruction of Sereno, this bombarded city i love that it's right there uh we could always uh you know admit that we love going deep we love connecting things but often i think you and i say we're, we're just looking at what's there and that's the joy of this and i think sometimes you, that's the, the beauty of a show like bad batch um that you can just point at it and go this is what star wars trying to t- is, is trying to tell you and how this has value for uh, a certain younger generation of fan or, or a different kind of uh, a Star Wars fan than any of the other shows, which are dealing with the same themes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it, it it's clear with Omega, you know, as you said, in, in the great sort of Indiana Jones moment of the needing, needing to let the, uh, the treasure mm-hmm. go, uh, let her fear and anxiety go. So, so she can survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she gets a different definition of treasure. And we're left to wonder how how much that has uh, sunk in, how much she's learned from that. But I also like that the kind of closing montage is a lot of people, this is a failed mission, right? <laughs> they didn't mm-hmm. get yeah. one yeah. single shiny thing. Uh, <laughs> but they all come away with a, a treasure that encourages them to kind of value who they are, their internal selves, you know? Omega's got that toy uh, that can possibly teach her great things. There's a wonderful scene where Wrecker pats his new tank blaster he made. And it's like, it's so funny because it's like so violent, but it's so sweet because it's like, that's a treasure to him. That's who he is, right? Uh, Echo's got, you know, his conviction that rescuing Omega is the right choice. Even after everything they went through, you know, and didn't get any treasure he's happy at the end of the day because like they're on the right path you know Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and then romar you know it's not part of the the ending montage but that the great treasure for him he doesn't want any of the money or the resources back he wants what serenia was to be preserved that type two data core our culture art music memories so it's it's to me, it's an even deeper statement than you know. The real treasure is friends. Um, <laughs> it, it's deeper than that. It's yeah. who are you? What do you value? Be true to that. That's your treasure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Unlock, unlock that uh, treasure chest inside your heart. There you go. I said <laughs> that's the moral. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said at the end. Just um, not everyone getting what they want, like it's a reward. Again, you're right. It's a failed mission but setting us up for what's what's coming up down the line and, and what what matters to them all and them discovering themselves as individuals within this group as well yeah and i think for me it it kind of leaves off with the bad batch of like okay well uh that was our way to get a big score and get out so i guess we'll keep grinding how did you feel right. about where it left bad batch 
I, I, yeah, I, I, it makes a lot of sense thematically and I like it. And, and it's like, there's no easy way out of this. Right. Mm-hmm. And the galaxy is calling you into this. Uh, this is a little bit of uh, destiny leading you some choices here. And, and there's, uh, you know, no sand, there's no sandals and beach beachfront Niamos property coming for you either. <laughs> and that's, that's what's going on in the galaxy. And again, I said, this is an important question that everyone is, is maybe being asked and, there's going to be a lot of different answers, and a lot of them are going to lead to the the empire growing and growing stronger, leading up to some of the moments, not just Andor, but uh, rewatching parts of Kenobi, Bail Organis, and the empire's getting bolder, stronger. All that stuff that's coming down the line uh, really does start here, and so I am, um, you know, I'd love them uh, to to get the get a little easier week, a little little vacation, maybe <laughs> takes money, but not going to happen, and 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 that's often what happens to all of us. Yep, but look at all the joy they're finding in, in communicating to us, the audience, in, in their their love of one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mantel mix. Uh, any other uh, thoughts on the big picture ideas and themes? No, we hit we hit some of the ones I wanted to hit with the Dooku stuff too. Just fascinating. I just think it's um, I think it's important time in Star Wars story, timeline to just see this happen to be on the ground. I think that that's a big reward for season one for me. And this is uh, going to continue to grow. We get these clones who are going to be experiencing, um, you know, their their very existence being uh, perhaps wiped from the Empire. And that stuff, all that stuff's kind of at play in what's going on. And yeah. uh, I, I think it's important. I think it's important to study in Star Wars. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, you know, talking about it again and again about the tour of the galaxy and getting things like a central thing like like Dooku and his castle to see it mm. absolutely fallen from the power it has does get me excited for what are some other known places that we can see how they are impacted uh, by the Imperial, uh, you know, lockdown. Yeah. And who and uh, whom, whom shall show up to, uh, ooh, you know? Yeah, yeah, I got I got some thoughts and hopes. Uh, maybe we can uh, discuss as the season goes on. <laughs> yeah, we know some, but there's I'm, I'm sure more on the way. Yeah, Gungi, the Jedi Padawan perspective, great. Uh, hoping for some other perspectives, but for now we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to dive into some action, some comedy, all that great stuff in a moment. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We are back to continue our discussion of the season two premiere of Bad Batch, Spoils of War, and Ruins of War. There was a lot of great action. I think a lot of great comedy and whimsy and weirdness. So we're going to go first to action. Uh, Ken, did you have a favorite action moment or two in these two episodes? Yeah, the, right from the start, I mentioned up top, I was, I was having fun with the idea of here's Omega jumping off of crabs and shooting that bow. <laughs> That's a fun sequence. Uh, and, and, and I like... Uh, you know, this is, I think this is a trailer moment, right? I think this is something we'd already kind of seen. And I just mm-hmm. like that we started with it, which means we got more great action yet to come that we haven't seen yet. And it's just, you know, the serene, here it is, like you said, the beach, the water. And here comes these clickety clackety crabs and they're running. They got the banter. But just uh, uh, Omega is, uh, her place in the team is uh, is secure. We know we got some big themes and stuff in this episode to come, but, you know, just, there, she is part of the team, part of the action. There's some concern. I'm sure Hunter's still worried. They're still wondering why she's hanging out of the ship. But I just love that opening sequence. It was a lot of fun and uh, very pulpy action. You got multicolored, clickety clackety crabs trying to kill you. And they're <laughs> reacting too. Like, I don't know. You're right. You might be right. They might be more sentient than I, th- I think because uh, when she starts shooting, one of them's like, ah, <laughs> and like, starts going up. So I love that. I just love the sequence. Yeah, I love the whole sequence as well. But I think my favorite moment was, you know, Omega uh, falls on the cable. You know, everybody is about Omega's safety and survival. And Tech's like, let let the line go. Get back up here. You know, uh, Hunter eventually is like, why is she hanging off the ship? And she kind of has that moment where she's trying to, to climb up. And then we get this shot of her. And it's almost like, you know, if I'm going to be in danger anyway, I'm going to help my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just a great spirit of who Omega's character is. I love that moment of decision where she's like, mm, bleep it, and slides down, <laughs> you know, and starts uh, uh, attacking the yeah. space grabs with her 
her weapon of choice. And I love that one moment where the one space crab gets wise and dies in its shell and uh, yes. the shot ricochets off. Yes. Yes. I yeah. want to know more about the crabs. I do. I actually do. Uh, right now on uh, Wikipedia, I looked them up to see if there is anything uh, defining yet. They are <laughs> listed on Wikipedia's unidentified crab creatures. So, <laughs> okay. Looking forward to more details coming in. They're not uh, an obscure thing from an EU book that we don't know. They are unidentified crab creatures. Uh, what are some other uh, action moments that you enjoyed and how many of them are Wrecker? Uh, a lot of Wrecker. I, uh, you know, I'll, I, I could have put this in comedy, but just him saying, I make a pretty good tank. I, I absolutely love that. <laughs> um, love love that out there. But no, I there was a moment there. With their they're escaping and they release all the storage units and it was like a Jenga puzzle fell over in slow motion. I just thought it was beautiful in its own violent way. Uh, I love that sequence. Great, great again, great lines, great banter all the way through. Everyone using their skills uh, as best they can, but just this like this is how we get out of it. And I just love there's some about just like a perfectly stacked display at a store and you just want to yank out the one in the middle and see what happens when they fall. Might just be me. Might just be me. But I loved it. Yeah, I love that moment because I thought, oh, are they just trying to disengage one, uh, the, the mm-hmm. you know, the container that they're in? So the shock that it just kind of all falls apart and they just start whistling away. That was really great yeah. and just a great visual. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of record moments I like, but the, my perhaps my very favorite, uh, I almost put it in comedy, is when there's this sense of evolution that Wrecker is trying to be stealthy, but he still can't imagine not stunning someone. (laughs) And that that shot where he, uh, he stuns the clone and the clone just face plants. So their head is hidden uh, from us, the audience. It was a weird star Wars meets Charlie Brown moment. And it was hilarious. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Yeah. So what are, what are others for you? Uh, a lot of, I mean, a lot of wonderful moments, but I, uh, mentioned earlier, I think uh, the opening shot of episode two, you got, you got the destroyed, uh, castle, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, totem of, of, of Dooku's lost power, this, this reminder of it. And you just slowly pan up and just silently, then you suddenly see all the canisters falling. Great way to pick up the cliffhanger and just this beautiful, again, this beautiful shot amongst the violence. I just really thought that was great and very uh, you know, almost Mission Impossible-like or just big action moment in this uh, beginning of the second episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I, there's a tech moment I really liked where they were still trying to make it to the escape pods and he just kind of casually chucks the shock grenade without even really looking. It was cool to see like a, a shock grenade since they seem, mm-hmm. you know, committed to not using uh, when possible uh, yeah. fatal tactics against the, the other clones. Uh, but it was almost like tech had already you know, calculated uh, the uh, amount of force needed at that angle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was just so casual. Shunk. Yeah. Yeah. Really great one. Uh, I think the final one for me is the one you already mentioned. The, the boom, I make a pretty good tank is a great line, but you know, Wrecker and Hunter had really been on their heels. Like right? just barely getting away, barely surviving. And Wrecker comes up with this, you know, great work around this great invention and then there's this shot from the perspective of, uh, I believe, Wilco of Wrecker walking through the smoke, uh, you know, a, a one clone tank. And it was like truly terrifying and a great sort of fist pumping. The tables have turned. <laughs> yeah, no, man. My guy, my man, Wrecker. Now a tank. Yeah. No, a yeah. Tank. Uh, any other action moments for you? 
No, a, a lot of uh, great pew, pew, pew action. I do love the commitment to the stun gun. Uh, just kind of tracks, uh, you know, though that I think that V-Wing pilot probably uh, punched out. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, a lot of fun. And it, it just the speed momentum of these episodes. It was a fun rewatch, too. Yeah, I did like the one clone that it was stumbling that looks like it was recovering from the first stun. <laughs> they stunned him again. Yeah. He stunned him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, solid. A lot of these action moments were, it's hard to say, are they action? Are they comedy? So let's get into some comedy, some whimsy, some weirdness. What were some fun moments for you? I like it right from the start of that sequence. I love the crab chase and everything. I'm just, we went over the plan five times and records response of, I got the package, didn't I? Uh, the reason I love that is, is, uh, you know, I'm kind of, when it comes to video games or even just life, sometimes I'm a little bit of a Leroy Jenkins. I'll, I'll, you know, <laughs> I hear, I heard your plan. I'm just going to run in and do it. Uh, a little bit of a philosophy I have on, on overtraining anyways, but I, I just love it. It's a giveaway. I connect with Wrecker. Yeah. We got the check. The check is by the box. All right. We got the box. That was our mission for this uh, level of the video game. <laughs> How we did it doesn't matter. We got here. Yep. No, I have definitely played some co-op games with uh, with people who love to sneak. I love to sneak in theory. But then sometimes like, it's a game. Why not have them all come after me? Let's have some fun with this, you know? If you ever watch me play Fortnite on duos, oh man. That's me. I get impatient after a while. Just let's run in there. <laughs> yeah. In that opening sequence, I, I do really like the uh, Hunter's wise Omega hanging off the ship. Mm -hmm. uh, the real uh, interparent bickering there and <laughs> Tech's answer of it is an unscheduled study break, which is I just I love that his comedy comes from being very literal. But he also seems to be evolving where he is sometimes aware that there can be sarcasm and irony within his literalness, which he didn't seem as aware of in the previous season. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that you highlighted that line. I do think it's a bit of a, a, a growth in the character. I really do. Because that you can't, there's no way that that's just literal, right? There's no right. way in his mind he's thinking, well, this that's what's happening, right? No, so I love that there's a little bit of a comedy heart beating inside the deck. Yep, exactly. And then when they, when they do escape and take off, uh, I know the unidentified crab creatures are meant to just be sort of like pinching at them. But man, does it look like they're using their big space claws to just flip off the Marauder as it flies away, right? <laughs> Clickety-clack. <laughs> Clickety-clack. If they could cross one claw over the other mm -hmm. and just do that classic gesture, <laughs> it seems like that's what they want to do. Love, that. Love uh, that. What are what are some other moments then going forward, comedy uh, whimsy-wise? Yeah, it's, it's uh, as you said, so well, uh, action and comedy mix really well. Uh, when they get to Serena, the first clone is stunned and just follow, he just falls over face first against the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After a hard day, a glunk, I love that there. Uh, there's a line, for, I, now I can't remember where, uh, I didn't write down the full beat, but where Tech says, that is concerning. I just, again, going to his, his, his uh, by the book's delivery, it's really funny. Yeah, so many great tech uh, tech lines. Um, I really liked if I am incorrect, we will instantly be sucked out and perished. I am seldom wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's that great thread with uh, Omega studying, and it's got this nice sense of, hey, she's the kid, she's doing the homework, but it, there is also this explicit, like, she needs to know everything so she can be safe, and I, I do like that she is mm -hmm. the one who knew, knew the tech and came up with a plan. So she says that the uh, the box units have the the rockets and i love that text says you are correct i'm impressed <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it means a lot that it yeah it isn't just mindless training it's you're in this world you need to know you're part of the team we need to get you up to speed love it yeah it, the delivery there is so great of like he is impressed but he doesn't really have time to uh discuss it or focus on it <laughs> no yeah <laughs> they're in the middle of thing 
uh, and then uh, maybe maybe the classic line from Tech these two episodes of uh, Omega asks, "Are you okay?" And his uh, my left femur has been fractured by approximately 150 kilograms of pressure. So no, no. <laughs> uh, here's a line too that I love that that was smoother than some of Wrecker's attempted landings. I would, just, <laughs> I would love a smash cut. A Family Guy like smash cut to like five in a row. And the attempted landings also makes it seem like maybe Tech is the the main pilot has been trying to teach Wrecker. Yeah, uh, because it seems like Tech thinks thinks everybody should be able to pilot the Marauder quite well, and Wrecker's the one who's having a little bit of a Leroy Jenkins problem with it. Love it, love it. Yeah. So, what are some more moments for you? Uh, there's a great exchange. Don't move, says Omega. Romar says, "I'm not." I just like I like little comedy bits like that. I mentioned before Romar tracing the the, the clones, the, you know who they're fighting for is a real funny beat as well as uh, poignant. Yeah, so you're telling me that your rogue clones running from the Empire's clones who used to be the Republic's clones. Uh, yeah, it's very funny, very honest, but I also felt like a little bit of meta of like mm-hmm. there are things, some things in Star Wars that are pretty straightforward. There's some things that are quite confusing if you're not deep into Star Wars and are just hey, y'all, I think I'll try out that Bad Batch season two. Why are all the armor people mad at each other? <laughs> Why is their armor all painted weird? Yeah, because uh, this is, uh, you got to keep it just basic writing, right? Even uh, Wanda Sykes' uh, uh, character there, uh, uh, Fee Genoa, Genoa, yeah. Fee Genoa um, has a great, you know, just setting the tone again here, setting the stage. Yeah, the, this one has a face tattoo, real subtle. That was, that was a great line. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, I think uh, last one uh, for me is the it's a key line for, I think, uh, the lessons that are trying to be imparted uh, to Omega. But Romar is saying, oh, for blast's sake, it's a toy makes you happy. And believe me, that is worth more than any jewel. Uh, I felt just so greatly validated as an adult <laughs> who collects toys and some I, I, I can write essays. I've been writing uh, some narrative stuff uh, with characters dealing with what toys mean i could write many an essay about what toys mean uh but at the end of the day sometimes just like yeah i look over and they make me happy for one second and that is worth a lot that's the value yeah yeah that's the value so it's like oh thank you thank you for the validation (laughs) romar adele indeed yeah any more for you uh no a lot of a lot, lot of badger throughout so more on the way during the season i'm sure but i love it love being home with my banter boys yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're going to move on to canon. This was, you know, not uh, riddled uh, with stuff, but I want to I want to start with the big one, which is the return to Sereno, the return to yeah. Dooku's castle. We talked a little bit about sort of some of the clear meanings of it, but for you, what was you know interesting, valuable, cool about being back there again? Um, there can be discussion in Star Wars land about. Uh, revisiting too many of the same characters or revisiting too many of the same places, uh, we often feel like, well, there's always a storytelling reason or usually a storytelling reason. For you, what what was the storytelling reason? What was the reason to be back at Dooku's castle specifically? I mean, just to really explore this idea of here we're post-war Sorrento, what you and I were saying earlier, this was this is Dooku's hometown and and you know there's duke with a great separatist and all it was was just about him getting more powerful and in the end the imperial uh, or orbital bombardment uh, same as camino uh here's what the empire's doing they're racing all evidence uh and 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 that just that's from the ground up even rampart and his thing of well can't have that uh can't have my mistake out there that these uh now i gotta lie about that we gotta cover that and this is to me just the empire doing that 
And again, to see it, we are in, uh, inside a year after the great switch, as I call it, um, mm-hmm. for the Republic of the Empire. I, I, just, I think it's, I think that's the value of it to actually fully see it and to see all that noise from Dooku, all the posturing, all the understandable beginnings of doubt turning into this, uh, destruction for his own people. I think, um, it's sad, it's tragic, but I think, again, part of the Star Wars story and it's value, valuable to go go down to the ground and see that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it serves the, the plot purpose of this is where he would have kept his personal mm-hmm. horde uh, that mm-hmm. he used to uh, empower himself and, and to fight uh, the Clone War. Um, but it is just this, it is a classic Star Wars story of like, you wanted all this power. Power was more important to you than anything. And not power so you can help other people or share it, but power so you can hoard it so you can control uh others and where did all this bring you what did you get it's just a visceral reminder of it you know romar says that his quest for power is why our city is now buried in rubble um mm-hmm. great connections to historian dooku jedi lost where i think for me he on some level he believes in his heart that the Jedi are meant to help people but my hands are always tied and now my people my planet is in trouble and they're asking the Jedi for help and the Jedi won't get involved because it's allegedly an internal matter. And I'm going to go help my people. I'm going to use my power. So whatever Colonel uh, of Dooku truly believed, I'm going to walk away from the Jedi so I can actually use my power to help my people, uh, to look where, how far he got from that. Like my, my pursuit of power brought absolute just, horror and wreckage down on my people literally and uh, you know as evidenced by romar's you know data box there um their history who they are their identity yeah yeah i thought that was effective just dooku's main throne room slash office this place gives me the creeps his record but seeing the trap door just the reminders of of the shadowy figure that dooku was and what he was hiding and what he was hiding from his own people and perhaps from himself deep down inside if you want to get philosophical yeah, and I think that's for me my my final thought on the the return to Dooku's castle is uh, I do think that you can revisit certain stories or certain beats too much, but this is what I find valuable about a connected galaxy is the audience. If you've been watching all these animated shows, has a visceral relationship to that place. Mm-hmm. We saw countless scenes in animated series uh, in the dark disciple book where Dooku was untouchable in that castle, right? The scenes where uh, the night sisters come from him and he's, you know, blinded, but uh, fighting, you know, so powerfully in his uh, exquisite pajamas, you know, Uh, scene after scene where he's uh, torturing people, uh, plotting against people. That, that is his stronghold. That is a symbol of his power and nothing can touch it. So for me, I have like a visceral relationship. When I see that place, it is a place of untouchable power and menace. And then to just see it as this derelict building with uh, shattered windows just being cleared out like an estate sale. Mm. That contrast for me is visceral because I have a relationship with the place. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're linger there, yeah, it's possible to go back too much. I totally understand that. Uh, again, great purpose. And, and just, again, as a Clone Wars fan, kind of crazy to see it. Not fun to revisit it, I guess, but but crazy to see it and see it in this form. Yeah. 
So since we were kind of teasing it in the first half of the podcast, are there specific places or planets that you want to see the Imperial boot come down on? Um, that's a, I hadn't thought about it in full. Uh, um, yeah, I just, I just threw yeah. it at you. No, you did. You did. You did. Cause you could almost, they, truthfully, it could, could almost be any spot. Uh, we, and, and, and just to see the people affected, I was going to say, we spent a lot of time on Ryloth and we know that's a different, that's a different experience there. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will, I, I will admit, I got a curveball. Uh, let me come back to that when I think of all the planets <laughs> in the galaxy. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I should have anticipated that. No, no. It, it just really occurred to me because as we were talking, I got more excited about it. I think particularly I have Naboo on my mind because mm-hmm. it's such a big world that we haven't revisited as much. We go there in, in the Clone Wars, we get, you know, in the publishing side, a, a hint of what it, uh, what it might be like after the Galactic Civil War in the Aftermath book. Um, the Lego shows have visited it during uh, the, <laughs> the height of the Empire and been to the, you know, the, the right. Palpatine Museum. Um, but Naboo would have this very different um, vibe after the Empire, right? Because it's where the Emperor comes from. It's his home planet. So it needs to be sort of celebrated and he needs to be venerated there. But Palpatine in his heart also knows there's a bunch of artsy, <laughs> community-loving yeah. do-gooders. That place boils with do-gooders. <laughs> so I kind of got to bring my boot down on it while also using it as a place to celebrate me. So yeah. I'm just kind of fascinated by seeing fully in canon, on screen, what Naboo looks like right now. Uh, yeah, as long as we do a close-up on Panaka's face, him weighing his options. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll move on to other canon. And if you have uh, anything you want to uh, throw sure. out, feel free uh, about other planets or places uh, or buildings to visit. Um, so Omega Studies, we talked about a little bit. It's great. She's studying the V-Wing on the data pad. And then the, the V-Wing shows up in is the escort ship. Uh, and then she is studying different shuttles. The Lambda or Delta question from Hunter. The last time I studied for the Star Wars uh, Schmodown Trivia Contest, it had the Star Wars competition had become very obsessed with the super specific numbers and models of ships and blasters. So I spent a bunch of time trying to <laughs> memorize exactly this. So it's kind of funny and kind of terrifying. It was a flashback of studying for trivia. How did you feel about that? Uh, same, which is why it stopped after a while, right? Like, uh, I, I, I wish I still had the knowledge in my head. I, I, I don't like drawing blanks, but uh, it, it absolutely had that vibe. It's funny that it's in universe too, that uh, you would need to know. Yep. yep. Lamp, numbers. Yep. Yep. And, and I like knowing some of it, but I don't always remember the numbers and all that stuff. So it, that was a very fun one. Uh, I think we've seen it before, but there's also the uh, helmet collection in uh, Sid's office. Uh, yeah. Phase 2 clone trooper, uh, white Mandalorian helmet. Uh, I believe an advanced recon uh, clone helmet. Advanced recon force clone helmet. Uh, why do you... What? I can't remember if we talked about it, to be perfectly honest. So why do you think Sid's got helmets? <laughs> Uh, great question. Payment. I, I, I think, uh, just an interest in collecting, uh, trading, bartering, but now it makes me think of, you know, has, uh, Luthan rail come by to pick some up for his collection. <laughs> came in. Hey, we were looking for this one here. You got some, uh, star killer armor. We'd like that. Yeah. I like the idea that Sid's been around uh, for so long. She's like, it's always the things that 
everybody thinks are so ubiquitous that nobody saves them. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like TV guides today. I don't know how difficult TV guides are to find, but like they were so everywhere and so disposable. And now I'd be like, man, I'd love right. a TV guide from the week Twin Peaks, you know, uh, yeah. premiered, you know, the, the, the things that seem most ubiquitous are the things that we don't think to save. Uh, I love that. Yeah, well, I have that Phantom Menace one, and uh, I'm not on top of you know reading the articles about the Phantom Menace. I just went through like the schedule. Oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Wheel <laughs> yeah. of Fortune. Yeah. Oh, a Mr. Belvedere. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so other canon stuff uh, for me is uh, there was some of the classic Clone Wars. Uh, let's kind of reuse a line, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I think some people might debate it. So I want to ask you. We've got two. Uh, company lines. Uh, Echo says, Hunter, I think we're about to have some company. And mm-hmm. Wrecker uh, later confirms, we got company <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at yeah. a different part. Um, th- that can absolutely be seen as just like, yeah, people say that all the time in action movies. I was first introduced to it from Han Yellen at Luke. When you yeah. hear that line, especially twice in, in one uh, premiere, two-part premiere, do you feel like that is kind of dipping into the classic Star Wars line? Is it too referential? Or for you, it just feels like that's a common thing to say in the galaxy. Uh, here's how I react to this every time. Because <laughs> I just like, it's just, yeah, that's what you would do. Like it is, it's, if, as a writer, you know, as your stars, I imagine everyone in that room is a fan, which is okay. Uh, other than Mr. Gilroy in the corner going, I don't own any figures. You have an entire chest in your car. Don't lie. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. It stood out to me. Uh, it was funny. And uh, I want more of that. Now, you and I both agree. Eh, seasons one and two of the Clone Wars really had fun with that. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. I don't need that every episode. I don't know. You know, I don't I, have, I get that complaint because I had it too. Um, and even Gilroy and, and Filoni talk about that. Oh, yeah. That's when we were having fun being you know, Star Wars fans, we didn't know how long it would last, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the show can grow past, but it's not, it's not leaning on it. And therefore it's fun for me. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and at this point I just do accept it as like, this is common lingo in the galaxy to say yeah. we're about to be attacked. <laughs> yeah. It's not so hyper specific. It's just the no. beat and the energy that, yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't it be fun? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any other, it's, Go ahead. Well, it's, like, it's like Romar going, it's just, it's a toy. Stop. <laughs> it's Stop. a common thing to say it, <laughs> because, because, it makes you happy because some people get like oh see they're just so precious with their star no just have some fun man have a coconut <laughs> smile man like sit back and relax uh you said half an eddie murphy bit there i i hear um <laughs> half. uh so any other canon moments for you uh, I, I had that one down. Glad you mentioned it. Just seen the Sept tanks and droids again. Uh, you, you and I have traced our relationship with the battle droids, which has gone for me sitting in the theater in 1999 going, oh, no. Oh, no. Did they just say Roger, Roger in a weird voice too? I love that. And now I'm rooting for the droids, the ones who are getting promoted, not rooting for them to win the war and kill Jedi, but just there's a lot of them getting promoted. They don't know what's going on. Uh, They got some humor. They're being kicked off ledges. Now you have dead ones sitting there. I just feel sad to see my battle droids. This is where they end up. Yeah, no, I kind of felt the same way of like that. I thought of it as a B1 battle droid corpse. And I realized, (laughs) wow, I really have emotions (laughs) about the battle droids to feel bad for that just collapsed, discarded one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so moving on from canon, 
Uh, was there anything that you disliked or questioned or wrestled with in this episode? The, the only thing, yeah, I, I touched upon it. Uh, sorry, I jumped on you there. Um, I, I really, uh, I want, I, I'm hoping that there's more, a little bit explained, fleshed out. I think it's storytelling to come of, uh, other than we're just picking up where we left off. We got to start a second season, kind of set the table. They with everything they just went through, and I I have to admit I did not re I watched the first couple of episodes of Bad Batch season one. I did not watch the end the Camino stuff, which is, is some of my favorite stuff in the series. To go through that and kind of end up, end up where they are, um, I I, I want to know why all of them aren't on the same page going forward. And it, it's fun and it's conflict. So we got we got what we need. That's the only thing I'm hoping for more of those answers. I want a little. I'd love Hunter to say. Well, I was listening to Force Setter and, and Joseph brought up some great points about <laughs> where I'm at. Like, I just want to know, you know, I just want to know. It can't just be Echo the entire season and it's not going to be. I think that's where we're going to get. But I, w- I was a little bit like, all right, cool. I got it. Let's let's do it. Let's push forward. Make the choice. I'm rooting for them to make the choice. Yeah, I feel like that that choice of who do they want to be, what is the future that they can have is like the big question of the mm-hmm. show. Almost in the same way that I feel like Din's journey to define what Mandalorian means to him is the question of the show. So you're going to get, we're going to get bits and pieces of that answer, but I don't think like by episode four, they're going to be, you know what? We're rebels or, you know what? We're mercenaries. You know, like it's going to, I think they're going to keep existing in this sort of nebulous space. And I think in some ways these episodes really set it up for like, well, until they can get a big score, they just have to survive until, and they don't have that long. Uh, the other line that was said twice in this episode of uh, of Tech saying, the window is closing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I feel like the window is closing on, I like that they set up the window is closing on this uh, situation they have set up with, with Sid. So I do <laughs> like that it kind of turned up the flame on, you're going to have to choose because yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be able to keep the stasis. And I kind of took it as, you know, they really can't go home again. They watched their home destroyed. Hunter sacrificed himself to save everybody else. They came for Hunter. They're so defined as we're a family. We're together. We're all in on each other. Mm-hmm. But now what? And Hunter just seems happy with that. If we're all in as a family, we'll survive. That's it. We're great. Yeah. Cross the finish line. Good to go. Let's get yep. some money and run. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think it's uh, I think the the not answer from Hunter about what's next is kind of the, the answer for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, there wasn't anything that I particularly uh, struggled with. Um, I think the show it does, you know, it, it's got a slow burn on the big picture storytelling because it kind of wrestles with uh, specific ideas and specific themes or specific character moments in, in the episode, but it doesn't have its fing- its foot on the gas. It's not going to be this one episode and record has changed, right? It's a slow uh, evolution. Uh, so for me, uh, there's nothing really to dislike or question because the show is just so what it says on the tin, right? Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. So uh, apologies to anybody who is looking for <laughs> some grumbles. I'm I'm sure I'll find some in future episodes. But for these, it would they were mm-hmm. just kind of what I expected and in what I wanted and enjoyed it. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? No, we got everything. I, I really love that we start with the Dooku stuff, really with the Sereno, the legacy of the Clone War, the legacy of those decisions, legacy and the problems of those in power doing things for them themselves. I, I thought it was a great start, as well as being just a real fun start, keeping with the pace and energy of not just last season, but the, the opening episode of uh, season one. Uh, and just the way you can contrast and compare the growth, uh, 
bright colors, all the stuff, which get doesn't mean that I don't like darker tones in Star Wars or shadowy scenes. I love all of it. I truly do. There's You want grumbles? There's other places on the internet to go get grumbles about Star Wars. You're not going to get it from me here on this show. Uh, it was just fun to be back. I really mean that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and a, and a lot of great darkness, a lot of great visuals. I love being in a in a yeah. dark forest, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, just a couple things. I, I really liked the revelation that AZ3 is not only rescued for Camino, but now <laughs> working yeah. in a bar for Sid was a yeah. great place for that character to land so we can enjoy some comedy here and there, uh, but isn't necessarily with the Bad Batch on every mission. Yeah. Oh, there's one thing. Oh, you know, there's one big thing I disliked. Yeah. Uh, 10 minutes with Gonky? Come on. You got to give uh, me Gonky. That was my other note. Where is Gonky? Is he safe? Is he all right? Come on. <laughs> Where was Gonky? Where's the Gonky? Oh, that's great. Give us our quality Gonky uh, content. And I lied. I do have uh, a couple <laughs> of the quick things I wanted to mention. I, I re- do really like the dedication to using stun bolts. That, that to me, says yeah, a ton that. about who they are of that. Uh, I, I think that's a clear idea about what freedom is, is this an awareness that maybe some of these clones aren't entirely making this choice. So we got to give them that benefit of the doubt. It's that's yeah. really cool and, and great for Star Wars. I also just really wanted to shout out Wrecker. I, I think there are these moments of uh, evolution. He's trying to be stealthier. I loved his pride in making that tank blaster because for somebody who is just like, I'll run in and I'll hit them. And if that doesn't work, I'll hit them harder, right? Mm-hmm. It showed a lot of, creativity and ingenuity that great classic uh star wars theme of you know the organic versus the rigid being open being creative uh being resourceful it was great to see wrecker be the one who kind of supports that classic star wars theme in this episode look this is like when i fix my kitchen sink as opposed to throwing a hammer at it i get (laughs) proud and you should be let's all go through hammers at our problems it'll be great uh if you could have a figure or merch of any character or place from this episode. Who or what do you want? All right. They got these battery powder powered Lola droids from Kenobi. Yeah. So we need battery powered clickety clack crabs. <laughs> to scale. <laughs> to the probably the black series scale, the six yeah. inch. So we have we have those figures out there. So give me some uh just going imagine the 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 humor of Chihuahuas chasing down clickety clack crabs on the floor. Just get a, <laughs> Two double A's, good to go. Yeah, uh, the, you got the button to make them clickety-clack, and then you got a, the button to make them uh, flip you off with their claws. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they, they could, you, you tap them and uh, like pit droids, and they, and they collapse. They protect themselves. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Uh, maybe a Roomba version, right? I know you got a Roomba. Do you want a clickety-clackety Roomba? <laughs> yes, and Chihuahuas hate those as well. So, yeah. <laughs> uh I feel like uh, Romer's, uh, Romar's Serenian toy will be at Galaxy's Edge eventually. Uh, mm-hmm. That is just as such a make it in the real world. It's a toy. Um, yeah. I am, of course, obsessed with action figures. Uh, on the horizon, there is a Hunter three and three quarter vintage action figure. Uh, the official image of Hunter hasn't been revealed. So I don't know if that's going to be his season one armor or his season mm-hmm. two armor. Uh I'm just going to say this on our first episode, so I don't have to say it every episode. I really want tech vintage collection three and three quarter. Mm. The, the uh, Black Series is great. Uh, but now we're now to the point where I want a two pack of two techs in his two different armors from the different seasons. So give oh, me yeah. a, a two pack of tech. Two pack of tech. I like that. Yeah. Final one, which I think you'll be on board with, Ken, because I know you like the character and I think it fits some of your interests. Uh, 
Romar Adele's delivery, uh, mm. Hector Elizondo's delivery was so great, so calming, such a balm compared to the, the chaos and horror of the rest of the episode that I really want Romar Adele telling classic Serenian stories of old real quietly on like an ASMR tape. I love this idea. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. Whisper of Sereno. I would love it. Uh, all right. That is our look at the two episode premiere of Bad Batch season two. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, if you're looking to connect with us here, join the team. You know, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We are on Hive Social. If you're over there at Four Center, we're on Instagram and YouTube as well. We're uh, have that stuff that ask. We're trying to reach 7,000 subscribers as we uh, build out our YouTube channel in 2023. New show, Figure Fights, coming in February. Subscribe over there. We're on Facebook as well at Four Center Podcast. You can get uh, the podcast anywhere. Just search and find us, but ACAST, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Uh, you can get merch at TPUB com slash user slash four center support us directly at patreon.com slash four center follow me at ken knapsack go to my website ken for more next week dropping a new podcast on my podcast feed called the blathering check it out over there on the knapsack network wherever podcasts are podcasted you sir where can they find you yeah, you can find me on all the social media. I am on Hive. I'm on Mastodon, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, all under at Joseph Scrimshaw. So just search there. You can also check out my website and my YouTube page. New videos coming soon on YouTube. That is also findable by just searching Joseph Scrimshaw on the old internet. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for unidentified crab creatures, this has been the Bad Batch Report. Thank you.